Oh. I'm all man when it comes to the crust. Yeah. SpaghettiOs is a soup. Wow. I'm a man of many earth tones. Oh. Yeah, I think Cheerios are still hot. Cheerios? Cheerios are hot, babe. Ooh. It's like an avocado. It's raw. The deuce. Oh, I decided to pull you into the stream first. Ooh. Wow. Now you're the confuser. I'm the confuser. And coming to me from a hall of mirrors. Yeah, there's a mirror. We have we everybody who is um watching rather than just listening to this will have a choice of a front or rear view of my co-host. This Look week. at those cheekbones though. Can we like respect the cheekbones? Who me? Oh, oh you. Yeah, no, they're Mine. very nice. I have really good cheekbones. You do. You do. I really do. It's the Eastern European. It's that Italian. Oh, I'm in a sports bra. Sorry. <laughs> I really dressed up for today's episode. Oh, dude, you really. It's so funny because I do other sh other shows when I'm going to be on camera. I everything that you would think logically follows from that logically follow. I shower. I you yeah, know? you would think right. This it's just like oh fuck, it's starting in eight minutes. Let me. This is why I always end up with like a like a Clark Kent curl halfway through the show <laughs> because I literally just like run water through my bedhead and I, and then I I I, I count on Style the. <laughs> <laughs> and I count. I don't know what you call girl hair shit, but whatever the the things that girls put in their hair to that's hold what you it. Call it girl hair shit. It's pretty back pretty on, accurate. That's right next to Sephora, right? Yeah, girl hair shit's a really successful store for sure. I have to. Fix I just my count. Hair. I, I count it. on the on the headphones, the, the headphone band to keep my my hideous bedhead secrets at bay, which it never ever ever does. Much better, much better. So, now that we're done with our vanity portion of the podcast. So you're from the uh, the Eastern European part of Italy, eh? My mom's family. She's oh, a yeah? mutt. She's like a mixed white person, or was, you know, because she's dead now. But um, my father's family was from Sicily, and my mom's family was from all over. <coughs> Just Sicilian, regular white. Sicilian. So you're so you're practically black. Practically. Yeah. Thank you. They for hate it. They hate it when they when you say it, but just. That's the that's when you find out most Sicilians have never looked at a map of Sicily. Yeah, they don't know where where it is in you reference to the rest of the world. Kick a soccer ball from Sicily to Africa, but you sure can. The most racist people on earth. Yeah, <laughs> shut up, Sicilians. <laughs> Actually, Sicilians can't even stand Italians for the most right. part. Yeah, well, because look at all the great things Sicily has given the world, like organized crime. Yeah, you're welcome. Of all things to be organized, didn't crime invent it, but uh, do we but want arguably disorganized crime? Really, is that what the people want? They really don't. They really want chaotic crime, which is what we're experiencing right now. This is funny because this is actually I've heard Italian Americans make this very case. It's if true. You know, you know, you know, the mafia. The mafia takes care of the street thugs. They took care of the street have... thugs, yeah, and right. they only killed their own. They only kill people who cross they them. They only kill their own. I love. Nobody ever got caught in the crossfire of the mob, and nobody Never. ever lost their nobody ever lost no. their mom and pop deli paying protection <laughs> shakedowns to the mob either. That's no. right. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, gentlemen gangsters. I don't know what you're talking about. I had my ex you... convinced that my family was in the mob. He was so convinced. It yeah. was so funny. I used to uh, date an Italian American whose father had a grocer a produce empire. And the whenever you would a float produce empire, which whenever, whenever by the way, float the implication that maybe and look, I think it's I produce and and or waste management. Yeah, you got yourself a you got All, yourself a Sicily, a silly look, Sicily. He 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 earned the right to have an exclusive contract to sell lettuce to Giant Stadium. Yeah, honestly, painstakingly, mm -hmm. one head of romaine at a time. You yep. son of a bitch. Yep. So what and if you also help throwing it probably he, fucking through the romaine yeah. into the stadium so and what then if gathered helped, whatever helped, he was really dealing with. Right. And, and, and helping situation. to put Right. Right. Well, look, I don't even that guy. I don't. I've, first of all, I have no idea because I am I am casting aspersions. It's it's unfortunately it's like when you see a well-dressed black man who's six foot seven, you're like, I guess he doesn't play professional sports, but should I recognize that guy? Is he on a team that I've watched before? It's not fair, but it's it's an easy trap to fall into. It's unfair to successful Italian Americans. I don't mean like like me. <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't mean I don't mean like people who really strong like people who have like chains on and shit like that. If you're if you have an Italian last name, but your family's been in Texas for three generations, I'm not really counting you. Yeah, there you. 
in this, case you forget her name. Dad gave me when I was like that's, eighteen, and it's that's thick the gold. Great, that's the great thing about dating uh, an Italian American girl. If you forget her name, you can always just look at the chain she's wearing. <laughs> and you know, to your point of tall, well dressed black men, when mm-hmm. I was bartending in New York some years ago. I was working the day shift and the bar had windows on all sides. So you could see everybody walking by. It was a good people watching spot. And this rather large, well-dressed, attractive black man came in with this short Jewish looking guy. And I didn't really know. I was, I'm not like a huge sports fanatic. There's a Mm -hmm. few players. I really like that football player, Janine Garofalo or whatever his name is. He's like he's, a, his, he's a quarterback. Yeah. Who? He, throw, he throws the ball. You just simulated. Yeah. <laughs> playing, playing playing beer pong, which I'm assuming <laughs> is your football throw. <laughs> you just pitched. You just, watching, you just pitched beer you pong. Didn't get when I said football, this would really nail it home for you. Have you ever played um, wine pong? I created wine pong. Played okay. it like last month. All right. I created. All it. right. So, so yeah, I already have a guess as to who the little Jewish guy is, and I don't think he's Jewish. But go ahead. No. Okay. Okay, no, no. So this guy's sitting, this tall black guy's sitting there, and the couple that was in the bar was kind of like whispering, and I could see them paying attention to him. And I was like, hmm, yeah. this is interesting. I wonder who this guy is. And he came up, and he was very nice and pleasant, and I was like busting his balls a little bit, and then he went back to his seat. And then as people were walking by, they were like pointing at him, knocking on the window. One guy came in, take a picture, all this shit. So I go up to him, and I'm like, who are you? Yeah. You're somebody. I didn't make an assumption that it was an athlete. I just didn't know who he was. Yeah. You're reminding me of the most uncouth moment I've ever seen anybody have around a celebrity. Oh my God. Um, yeah. By the way, yeah. I'm the fucking worst when it yeah, comes clearly. to meeting people I really love. I got to tell you about, remind me about Will Smith. So okay, I'm starting a list. Start a list. Um, Will Smith and Gene Wilder, really good stories. Um, so I go, who are you? He's like, who do you think I am? I was like, I have no idea, but all these white people are going crazy over you. So you must be somebody. And he just was laughing and he's like, well, I'm gonna have to let you figure that out. So he never told me who he was. Um, the people in the place wouldn't tell me who he was. And so I literally Googled and he was British. I Googled. Oh, okay. <laughs> that narrows it down. Tall, black, British man. And eventually, with narrowing it down, figured out it was Lennox Lewis. Oh, I see. Heavyweight champion, Mm -hmm. boxer, I think. Um, Yeah, he was. He was. was, was, I need to pull up his stats. He was the champ. I don't think they call him stats in boxing. They don't call him stats? I suppose they would have. What what do they call them? Typically, in boxing, you would be looking for somebody's record. He's a boxing commentator, former professional boxing who competed from 89, 2003, three-time world heavyweight champion and mm-hmm. two-time lineal champion. I don't know what the fuck that means. He remains the last heavyweight to hold undisputed championship. Yeah. Just such a sweetheart. And so he never told me who he was. I figured out who he was and we just stayed in touch like friends. And um, it was just a funny scenario where I should have probably been like, yeah, you're an athlete. And I just was like, who are you? I have no idea who you are, sir. And then his, the little Jewy guy, I think, was his agent. Jewy? Mm-hmm. Jubaka. A little Jubaka friend. <laughs> and, um, uh-huh. yeah. You, don't, was, you, you, think, you think Lennox Lewis moved over from England, started hanging out at boxing gyms in America, and just happened to befriend a little Jewish guy? Yeah, or can we, continue, can we continue to extend um, the racial and ethnic stereotyping here and suggest that perhaps his little Jewish friend worked for him in some capacity perhaps as a um probably a manager he could have uh, been a bestie i'm not a lawyer a lawyer could have been a lawyer could have been an accountant he could have been been an accountant could have been a bestie right little jewish guys little jewish guys and undisputed heavyweight champions often have very much in common they have a lot in common like climbing the little jew guy would probably climb him um (laughs) math yeah oh oh boxing champs love arithmetic Boxing champions are really good at math. You, you can't walk across a boxing gym without tripping on an abacus. Because <laughs> that's a mouthful. And the yeah. thing that happens to boxers because of them getting CTEs and TBIs, where right. their language, like Mike Tyson, gets fucked up, it's called pugilistic dementia. Right. They need helper Jews. They <laughs> <laughs> they need helper Jews so they can speak properly. But that's why Mike Tyson talks like this. He always talked like that. He talked like that when he was 17 years old. He, 
Yeah, but no, it has gotten worse. And has it? Yeah, I think it has. I'm I know a somebody who did commentator. Who did, yeah, no, clearly, you know everybody's stats. I know a lot about the stats. I know somebody who just did mushrooms with Mike Tyson, but he wouldn't give up the goods on what Tyson was like on mushrooms. That's rude. I, I, I don't tell me you did mushrooms with Mike Tyson without telling me just one. Why Look, even I'm, bring it up? I'm not asking you because you're bragging. That's why I'm not asking you to spill all of the beans. I wouldn't expect you to. If you're the kind of person Mike Tyson would do mushrooms with, you'd no longer be the kind of person Mike Tyson would do mushrooms with. If exactly. you would go detail it, just tell me, just give me one little, um, give me something. Oh, he, give me a kernel. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he got really caught looking at some weird billboard for a minute. He I don't was know. Emotional. He thought it, he cried. You don't Don't you don't have to understand that might be betraying confidence. Just give me one little, a hundred weird things happen when you're on mushrooms with somebody. Just give me one that's unique and silly and gives me a little bit of insight into the man without giving away the general thrust of, and then he broke down and cried and told me his life had never been whole because he never knew his mother. You leave that part out. And I, I get bet that. You he said that. I bet you those were fucking, that's verbatim. Do you know what? Do you know what? It's, it's an easy, me. it's an easy. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel As an Italian, aggressive. I feel this ought to make you at home. Um, I, it's really <laughs> crazy to boil things down to easy stereotypes. And this is like a beta male thing to say for sure, but it does seem the evidence suggests over and over and over that the guys who present as the toughest 90% of the time are the guys who are overcompensating the very the, i'm not saying that they won't beat the shit out of you and and, and babies and pistol whip you but that's still the hard candy shell protecting the gooey inside that's beating you up and and the example i always use is is dmx on that reality show closer to the end of his life than the beginning of his public run talking about his mom i guess was very very young didn't want to didn't want to feel like a mom so she never let she made him use her first name and he just wanted to call her mommy and dmx is fucking crying on tv going mommy mommy that's the fucking guy and i'm sure there's a, some there's some out there they're probably croatian serbian who what you <laughs> see is what you get they're like that to the core but most of the people who present as the toughest really really are really are um the ones who have felt that we all want to project to the world that we're tougher and cooler and a lot of things than we really really are because we feel insecure on the inside but the people like the guy at the gym with I think, do you know Mike Catherwood? I think Mike Catherwood would, would tell him. you that. Yeah. He's, that, he, but he's, he's a very emotionally available person. He is. And he's I, also he's, been very humbled and he's sober. Sure. So that has a big difference. Yeah. And I feel like he's the ambassador from that world to ours. I think he would tell you that many of the people, most of the people who were at the real extreme end of the dumbbell party at Gold's Gym are people who are, are compensating for something. I agree. I think most yeah. people are. I think sure, people right. also, they confound their image with their essence Ooh. and they lead with their image instead of their essence. And they don't understand mm. that they're doing that because they've confused it. They've they're starting to believe that they're the image that they're putting forth instead of, you know, living from an authentic place. It's hard to live authentically. I think um, as somebody who does live that way, it's it not to brag sometimes takes a concerted effort. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of ironic. You wouldn't think to live as yourself would take extra work. It should be, you know, just second nature. It should just be. It, yeah, it, it should be harder to do the opposite. It should be harder to do the opposite. But I think because I think the demands on life are a little bit different now. I think the way people communicate is so different now, especially on the other side of quarantine, everything's a little bit more laborious in different ways. So I think for us to access ourselves and, pre and present ourselves can sometimes be a difficult feat. And, and also it takes a certain energy. And as a woman, I've had to, or have chosen to put a front on in certain situations to protect myself. What would be a, for example, Traveling alone, traveling cross country alone, I've right. got, you know, as much as I want to like sit down at the coffee shop and have like a really sweet open conversation with the guy sitting next to me, I can't. Um, no, that's interesting because I did that one time driving cross country. Me and my buddy like made a lunch date with somebody from the road holding up signs from the car. Right. And it never occurred to me to think that that woman was kind of an idiot. For just being like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm sorry, I don't want to uh, no, interrupt no, what you're saying. We were driving across 
Texas and we were just on this flat, endless stretch of road. And we noticed after a while we'd pass her, she'd pass us. We were the only two cars. And I don't know how we got to this point, but we literally are writing in a notepad and holding up like, are you just driving endlessly too? And she's like, yeah. And we're like, you guys were sharing notes from the car, from the car. Yeah. And we said, do you want to go for lunch with us? And she she said, yes. And she said, yeah, sure. And who was writing? She was writing back. No, no, no. I think we were, I, I God, I, there's so many things that happened on that trip that I, now when I say them out loud, they've just been rattling around in my brain for so long. They don't sound real, but they were. They sound terrible. Well, I do have a guy who can corroborate every, all of this. And of course, needless to say, she was cute. And we, um, and we just said, just, I think we were coming up on, you know, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you can kind of see when you're coming up on not necessarily a rest area, but there's like four things there. And then there's not going to be anything for another 15, 20 miles. So we just said, right pick something there. And I recall that at that point we, we hadn't budgeted our money properly and we were living on like Arby's. We were living on like five bucks a day and she, she pulled into, yeah. And she pulled into the, um, she pulled into the parking lot of an Outback steakhouse and we were like, Oh fuck this like four days worth of money. We're about to eat right now for lunch. And we just went along with it. And we'd been smoking so many cigarettes that I remember we, we were like, you know what, dude, we're in it. We just treat yourself. There's no way out of it. We're not going to just order a cup of soup. Just get something that you want well and we'll deal with it. Go ham. Let's and go we'll ham. deal with it. And, and I remember we were so ready to like open our stomachs and actually be full for the first time in days, but we couldn't because we'd had so we were smoking like a pack and a half of cigarettes just sitting in that fucking 82 Oldsmobile. Yeah, absolutely. And cigarettes are much cheaper and much, much cheaper in those. So you, you get a pack for two bucks back then, but um, cheaper than a meal <laughs> and it often replaced them. But she Shit. was European of some kind. I don't remember like she was she was dark haired, but kind of Scandinavian. Well, she's from Transylvania. She's like, hello, I'm from Transylvania. I have been nocturnal ever since. Do you think there's a? Do you think there's anything yes, there? Oh and you wow! You look vampire. I, I really, really do. You do. I once spent a night in Slovenia. I've never. It's Transylvania adjacent. They make their yes. bed sideways. It's very odd. But anyway, she <laughs> she was driving across the country. That's all I really remember about the conversation. Is I don't know where any of us thought that was. My buddy and I never never were like okay, and then we're gonna fucking take her to the days in and you play blackjack on her back. Completely benign. We were like, cool, cute girl wants to have lunch with us. That's already a win. Nobody was That's thinking really that. That's really bizarre. What year was this? 1995. But she was driving across the country. Okay, that makes by, more sense. She, she was driving across America by herself, which is... So anyway, you were saying. I was just saying, like, you know, sometimes you have to put on a front, especially as a, especially as a woman, especially as a woman in the industry. You know, I don't have... I can't ever say that word. Anonymity. 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 You know what I'm saying? Sure. But I like to hear you try. Anonymity. I don't have a little nitty titty. It's I'm a part of the itty bitty titty committee. Is what I'm trying to say. And a big fan of the nitty gritty dirt band. Stop fucking shaking your tits at me. You can't it's have it both you, ways. It's for the fucking, it's for a patron. It's nobody who's fucking watching they, this. They with want me. it. They're, they want it. Trust me, they want it. You can't have it both ways. You can't talk about how you need to put on this shell to the world. You need to <laughs> yes, fucking like, nin- in this nin- instance, ninja turtle up because you're a woman out there <laughs> being thrown to the wolves across America. When you take, I want to say, every opportunity when you create opportunities to wiggle your breasts on camera, pick and, a lane. Anonymity, anonymity, anonymity. The state of being anonymous. Yeah, you're super duper close. I was so close. I, mm. Sometimes words are hard for me to say. Um, I think also being somebody who is in, you know, the limelight makes it a little weird sometimes too to have a protective layer over yourself, you know, sure. um, when mm-hmm. you're out there traversing in the world. But it's it's also a protective thing, I think, sometimes people who like myself who've experienced different types of trauma, I think you innately want to protect yourself, but that's not always a good way to exist and to move in the world. I think the things that help you survive your past might not be the things that will empower you to um, experience your future. Exactly. And so it takes like a real, um, that's why I think it takes energy to 
be an authentic person like myself, but also have these experiences that have made me feel like I need to have an armor on sometimes. But obviously when I'm traveling, that's a necessary uh, evil. You know, it's almost like a just occupational hazard of being on the road. Agreed. But um, I do think people live away, in a way and project what they think people will like and respond to about them more than them living from a real genuine place. And I can see, I don't know about you, but when you meet somebody, I think you can detect that rather quickly. Yeah, no doubt. I, I guess the only thing that I would quibble with, I meet the kinds of people that you're talking about. Quibble? This motherfucker just said the only thing I'd quibble with? What am I having a conversation with a hobbit? I'm just going to give you a little quibble here. <laughs> Your poor wife. She said she knew we were we dated for some time before we became engaged to marry. She she's knew exactly. She, she knew exactly. She, she knew she she knew what she was she quibbling was with. For. <laughs> quibbling with the devil. Oh God! Don't clip it. Um, <laughs> the only thing that about that that I would say is maybe I think you're professional, sir. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about your life. I don't suppose pretend no shit. to, but. The a lot of us, our personal lives are the overlap with our professional lives is very, very great. And I think that you interact with a lot of people in your lines of work and that what you're talking about is very, very typical in your lines of work. I think the vast majority of people out there are pretty real in and what you see is what you get, at least to the extent that it ever has been. There's always been duplicitous human beings out there, even when we're, you know, hobbits living in little villages. But I, what I wanted to say was I, when I was back East, you know, hanging out with my people, my family in New Jersey, it's always refreshing to me that there's people who don't feel the need to put on airs and yeah. don't feel like they're, they, they don't feel like they're the most special person in the room or are afraid that they might not be the most special yes. person in the room. It they're just so like, nice. they're just fucking people. But then you fall into this trap of, you know, but in Holly, in LA or in New York. And the, f the fact of the matter is, as somebody who's, I would, you know, raising kids more than anything gives me an insight into, I always remember a thing I read in LA Weekly years and years ago where they were talking about the real LA and they're like, most of us here are actually not in the entertainment industry. If you really look at what we're, we're fucking dry cleaners, we're people who work yeah. at restaurants, like we're the people taking care of the people in the entertainment industry yeah there's no doubt like i think it's like many cities there's a core industry you know like san diego is still a big military town it doesn't and yes you can find a lot of people in san diego who are directly involved with the military but for the most part there's all these things that mushroomed off of that mm -hmm. core central industry same as beer in milwaukee etc cetera, etc cetera. like my neighbors all the families that we know through our kids going to school and stuff some of them are in, or, in an entertainment but just like just barely you yeah. know they're like animators or whatever gaffers there's a pretty small exactly gaffers don't come with a deal you know most of <laughs> no, them don't they, don't. they got to get yeah. off a of fucking raya too because it doesn't count sorry i'm just saying i don't what you're talking about i'm sure is something that you see everywhere you turn like a like a hall of mirrors in your um in your in your life but I think most people are just still out there just being being people without crazy, crazy deals. And I think it would yeah. be good for you to it would be good for you to find a thing that plugged you into a world that has nothing to do with the world that you mostly inhabit. And you do have it. You, you see that with your spending time with your sister's family. Yeah, I mean, being here does that. But it's funny you say that because I've felt this pull towards that sort of existence and when i was at the tony robbins thing i met this woman who uh, i think we talked about it or i told you about it she does equine therapy they have mm -hmm. uh yep. horse stables in maui and they do a lot of therapy with victims of trauma and sexual assault and people who've experienced you know ptsd and um soldiers and that sort of thing because horses are such a reflective energy they don't they give what they get and so you learn how to, you learn how your emotions are and how you occur by how the horse is reacting to you. If you turn a horse into a dick, that means you're a dick. Yeah, you're a total asshole. Totally. Wow. Um, horses are very re reactive to your energy. Mm -hmm. And so I asked her just recently, I was like, hey, I'm kind of getting an itch to just switch things up. Could I come work? 
and like help out at the stables for a little while and just be there. She's like, you can come anytime. So that's something that I'm really tickling the idea of as well as staying in Italy for like maybe a month or so. Oh no. You want to go Godfather too? I'm going to go find. Oh boy. (laughs) Whisper. Oh boy. Oh my goodness. I'm going to go find like an Italian. Yeah. Uh, You know, I got hoes in all these area codes. Right. You can go to the old country. I'm going to go to the old country. I'm learning Italian. Get a piece Um, of Giuseppe. I'm going to find Giuseppe. I'm going to find the Pelusos. There's got to be Pelusos there somewhere. My great, great grandmother was, my father always called her um, uh, bougie. He said she was bougie in in Sicily. So I want to go find out what that means. Apparently she had an estate, but she lost it in um, World War II. But there's got to be some history there. I just want to find some history. I would love to, I bet there's relatives at least a distant relative. So you, you don't have any, you're not like, like my family comes ready made with, they know some people who like, they, I don't. They, not, not, we're not plugged in, plugged in, but we at least have the one or two people. Like when I went over by myself, when I was going to school in England, there was the guy that I met who took me around. He's like, this is where you grew up. This is where your grand, great grand, grandfather grew up. And this is where they would have been eel fishermen. And here's where your grandma walked herself in a lake and drowned herself. Like, or oh, at least wow. that that, oh, that yeah. was, was that all in day one of the fucking tour guide. I was only there for like a day. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a really escalated tour. Here's the bakery. Here's the cliff of death. Like, oh my God, can we go back to the scones? I knew all that going Brutal. in. I, these, these, these were the facts of the old country. But I, you don't have that. You don't have that person. You don't have like a home base Palooza that you can email well, that you I already did, know. But dead. Nice. My great, my grandma Sacco's dead. My aunt Carmela's dead. My dad is dead. And they're all the ones, they were kind of like the gatekeepers to all the information. I see. I see. And maybe some of my father's siblings would have some information. I bet my aunt Tootie would. I would have to ask her. But all of it would be diluted for sure. It wouldn't be anything that's like a direct line. It would sort of be like a telephone game of, yeah. you know, finding the information. But the point of it all is I do, you know, I've done stand up since I was 19. That's 20 years. I'll always do stand up. I love stand up. It's my favorite thing to do. And I'm really good at it. But, you know, I'm staring 40 in the back of the head and I'm like, well, what do I want the rest? What do I want next to look yeah, like? And, right. you know, I keep thinking to when I was in New York in October um, doing shows and I went with my friend Rose, who's from my tattoo redo show on Netflix. And her and I became friends. We, we bonded off of that show and she let me tattoo her. And it really sparked something in me because it was such a new experience. I'd never done that. I had never put a tattoo on anybody. I never even held a tattoo gun even during the two weeks of us filming. And because of that one simple new experience, it sort of unleashed something in my mind of wanting more of that, more experiences that kind of scare me and challenge me and make me have to do something that I'm not good at make me have to step outside of my comfort zone. Right. And I think that's what it is for me now is I'm pretty comfortable on stage. And that's not to say there aren't challenging shows and, and gigs, but I know it so well. And well, right. I think most people can relate to that in their yeah. job. If you're like an accountant and you go to work, it doesn't mean that you can go on autopilot and you're watching Netflix while you're doing people's taxes. Are you defecating right now? No, I'm not defecating. I'm I'm stretching out my psoas and my sciatic. But you um, have hard. But you, you you don't like they. I think about this in regard to you know trying to keep your your brain healthy and as highly functional as it can possibly be for as long as possible right. as you need to take on new challenges in that mm-hmm. regard. That's a very well-established fact. And yeah, this, this is, this is th- what I'm doing. Well, what I'm doing right now is particularly challenging, but some of the other shows that I do are kind of, are kind of challenging. Oh, this but isn't I'm, challenging for you. No, this is me ghosting. <laughs> but this is jason ellis show challenging yeah absolutely to your health yeah that's a that's 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 a real that's a real job you know when i'm when i'm done doing that i want to take a break from doing that when i do shows that i do research for like then and i got to put it all together on the fly that's challenging for me but that's not the kind of stuff that's going to keep my brain healthy i need to be building new you know synapses or whatever yeah you have to you have to create new neural pathways and it takes about you know it's almost it's like creating a habit it takes three four weeks for that pathway to be completely opened and it for it to be right. a 
a road that is used right. by your and stand-ups, neurons. Stand-ups very, very, very unlikely to do that for you because it's work, but your brain knows how to do the work. My brain knows how to do it. And because of that, the brain gets bored and it gets rebellious. So you mm-hmm. almost, you know, I have these moments. Oh, interesting. Stage. Yeah, that happens where you're like, because my brain is starving for some discomfort because the stage is so comfortable, it will create discomfort. So it's like a, it, then for example, it, to, to make it challenging again. No, I know. But what would be, how would your brain make it uncomfortable? Um, not, you know, doing jokes out of sequence. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I thought you meant like I should do like a uh, Michael Richards right now. No, no, no. I mean, that certainly is something that could happen for sure. But, you know, when it comes to challenging your mind, like you were talking about, there's so many ways to do it. Like having new experiences and learning new things is just one aspect of it. Like there's so many different mnemonic devices that can be implemented into your daily regimen. One of which that I've started to do where I, it's so easy for everyone to do is to use your non-dominant hand for as much as many things as possible. Brushing. Yeah, you were doing it before when you were throwing a football like during Janine yeah. Garofalo. Right. Fucking, because you you can throw a football righty in your sleep. Now I you're doing feel, yeah. salt. You're doing salt bay now. <laughs> <laughs> but using your non-dominant hand is such a good one. And travel, travel is really really good for your brain. Travel makes you so smart. Even just if you could smelling. have a, a one, oh, if you could have a one night or like a one hour stand with salt bay, and no one would ever 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 know about no. it. Are you in? No. No, Salpe? He's got like that tight V-neck shirt. No, and that greased hair. Not my style. What are you looking for in Sicily then? What do you think? What do you think that young that young buck cobbler is going to be like? Men in Sicily. Oh my goodness! You this really runs deep with you. I want like a um. I want a guy who bathes in 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 extra virgin olive oil. Photo. I pulled it up for Carly uh, when we were doing our podcast, and when I was in Italy, I I just found this man. That I was like, this is the most beautiful man I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And oh, wait, am I right here? Did I scroll right to it? I almost did. Um, to Italy is the the women in Italy are honestly. People say it all the time. They are the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And I've traveled to many countries. This is where you can talk. While I'm looking. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I thought that was a pregnant pause that was going to have a point to a to follow pause, it. And I, I'm trying, to think. I'm trying to think where the most beautiful women are. Have you traveled are. a lot? Uh, yes and no. Like, I'm not particularly... I have. I have. That's a that's a thing. And people... <laughs> no, and some people are into that. I don't know. Like, I think if you say that Japanese women... If you, if I At this point in time, I feel like if I were to say, I think Japanese women are the most beautiful women on Earth, I would be leaving myself open to criticism. Because I feel like you're saying, oh, you want someone who has no curves. You want somebody who's shaped like a boy. You want somebody who's subservient. Why like, is it there's bad all... to want what you want? Yeah, Why it's not. So I think it's okay. kind of weird. I think it's personally kind of weird to be older than 24 and to really have a type. I'm oh showing Tully God. this picture. Look, first of that's all, a ma- that's a that's a that's an Italian mountain man. He's a yeah. fucking guy in a suit standing in front of a fucking mansion. I know he's gorgeous. So look at him. What is he thinking? I can barely see his face. He looks oh, like. I'll uh, zoom in for you so you can see his his feet. Let's just let me. From here, he looks feet. like who's the guy? He looks like Zach Braff. Zach Braff. <laughs> his hands. You just zoomed beautiful. into his shoes. I did because it's just. <laughs> he's so beautiful. Oh my god! Oh my god is right. Are you kidding me? You want somebody Oof. who like, Oof. like smacks you around a little bit, spits in your mouth. I don't want to get. <laughs> That's what that guy's got for you. I don't want to be smacked around and have somebody spit in my mouth. <laughs> well, then every don't day. say hello to that man. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> gotcha. Um. I know Italy in. You want a guy who saves his pimp hand for for, for for special occasions. Yeah, exactly. We save that for for anniversaries, birthdays, holidays, Tuesdays through Thursdays. Yeah, um, glove holidays. You call them glove holidays. <laughs> this is stupid. That was so. That is five seconds of my life. I will never recoup. Ever in my life. Go on. I 
I yeah. So the whole point is, I'm feeling this draw to do something out of my comfort zone, and yeah. I don't know what it'll be first. Right. But um, it definitely a delineation from or deviation from um, stand up. Yeah, we'll just start somewhere, you know. I think it'll be on a horse. I'm happiest either on roller skates or on a horse. Why choose? I could put my horse on roller skates. That's what I'm saying. Yo, Yellowstone though? Have we talked about Yellowstone? Yeah, we have. Well, you have, yeah. Fuck. Fucking Rip Wheeler. That my type. You talked about me having a type. Wheeler. What? Don't. Rip. Don't. Drip drop lollipop. Don't you dare. What's Rip short for? Rip me open. Rippered. <laughs> Rippered Bartholomew Wheeler. Rippered? <laughs> <laughs> this is my type. The- oh my goodness. She can't. She just can't. She simply can't. She looked Ooh. at a photo and now Oof. she can't. Oof. Oof. I would never leave the farm. Quick, why don't Rip you Wheeler? just why don't you just go hang out at new country I'm gonna. concerts? I'm if you wanna if you wanna if you wanna a doughboy in a doughboy in a ten gallon hat. I I can think of nothing I would rather do less. Okay, so I'll get us tickets. I'll get us tickets. It'll be a good time. All right, get me a red solo cup and fill it to the brim. I will, and it will be a great time. Finding me my dream man. That's the least you can do for being such a shitty friend. I'm waiting to hang. You've I've been I've, I've been, been I've been yeah, I've been right where I'm literally in the room where you texted me, hey, let's be real friends, let's hang out, let's do stuff, let's do friendship. <laughs> when did and I text that? When did I send that? I, I'm not going back through my text messages. Oh, you're rude. Was November? It, was it November when I got no, here? No, I would say November. I was here when I texted. May I have been it. may have been October, probably November. It's been months. I was in Syracuse though. I I, I think so. Okay. I think so. That's funny. What do you think our have we talked about what our first real friend outing is gonna be? Is it gonna be tea, like a couple old ninnies? We could do that. We could do that. Um I we mentioned Ross, I think, oh, last that's time. Right. Lunch and lunch and Ross makes sense. That's what we're doing. Can we go to we a have diner? To go on can Tuesday, we... Monday? No, Tuesday is the best day to go around eleven a.m. <laughs> <laughs> one time, I had a fucking the greatest Ross bonanza of my entire life on a Saturday morning. So I'm not sure one can really say it was the day that's that is remembered in our house. The day Dad bought fourteen pairs of socks. You did. I bought everything. I bought them all. They're so good. I still have some of them. It was years ago. Why did you buy so many socks? Because I only really go to Ross for one thing, and it's Stance socks. Do you know Stance socks? Yeah. Are they the ones that have like the little embroidered circle? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, those are really great socks. They're terrific socks, but they're expensive. And some would argue that they're, and some would argue that they're overpriced. And they tend to retail for between like thirteen and twenty five dollars, but they tend to show up at um, at Ross for like three to seven dollars. If cool four ninety nine, bitch. If if you're Enjoy willing to that markdown stance, yeah. If you're willing to to hunt, if if, if but if, but I oh, enjoy I enjoy the thrill of the hunt. That's what that's the point of going there. Is Fucking sometimes Marshall's you go find right here. Hello, six yeah. bucks. Yeah, Adidas, Adidas beanies don't just grow on trees, you know. They don't just grow on trees, and these are these are hard to find. These are a quarter a dozen. A quarter, man. like a dime a dozen. You can quarters um, more expensive, so it's not, oh, I see. It's so common. I follow you now. I follow Thank you. Now. you. So yeah, I went to Ross and I, I dropped I dropped like forty bucks and got a year's worth of excellent <laughs> excellent socks. When I go to Marshalls, I buy soaps. I get soaps for everybody. Everyone's getting yeah. a fucking soap. You're getting a fucking fancy ass soap is what you're going to get as my friend. And have you have you bought a, a have you bought a perfume or toiletry or whatever set a pampering set from a faded celebrity? Who? <laughs> like they have they have Greg Norman underwear there. They have Oh wow. They yeah, always like have celebrity days- sponsored shit. Daisy Fuentes, you'll still That's find. That's right. You'll see like a Daisy Fuentes, Jessica Simpson aroma perfume. Daisy yeah. Fuentes perfume. Tim McGraw. I'm not. I'm not as unsophisticated as you when it comes to shopping. I don't. I don't fall victim to these scams. <laughs> My parents taught me if it's good enough for Daisy Fuentes, it's good enough for you. That's just how <laughs> Who I was the raised. Fuck is Daisy Fuentes? Seriously. Daisy Fuentes is making so much money off of her bullshit Ross stuff, and she is married. Happily, really? by 
by all yeah i think she's doing really well with that stuff and she's married by all because like when you see a jessica simpson or a tim mcgraw you go well yeah that makes sense they were really really big not that long ago i don't know maybe tim mcgraw still is really big their name was was right there and but they're cheesy enough that yeah they would have put their name on a perfume or whatever and now they fall into where that's the stuff that makes its way to ross daisy fuentes is a totally different story because she was never all that famous to begin with and her fame was far longer ago than all the other names that i've mentioned really? she was a vj what? yeah it was she was a VJ. so how did she so how did she Fuentes. how did she do this is an absolute mystery but i think her thing is very 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 big and it's like paris hilton is you know supposedly She's like a cosmetics 55. billionaire she looks fucking awesome and happily married to richard marks don't mean nothing no oh, I thought he was a, a magician. I saw a her with a photo with Hollywood the guy. That, can be is this so Richard lonely, Make you the winner of a losing fight. Damn, damn him? right it is. He looks like a magician from Reno. Yeah, it looks like they're going to the same nose guy. <laughs> Doesn't matter. They do have the same nose. Oh, wow, they're still married. They're actually a really cute couple. Hell yeah, they are. They're a handsome couple. Oh, they fucking I juice together. Bumped, I physically walked into and bumped into... Um, not that this is have anything to do with these two people. I physically bumped into um, Rick Springfield. I fell into him in an elevator. I tripped into the elevator and I fell into his arms. That's and delightful. Then I How said, you know, you got Jesse's girl. Do, do, do. That's me. Why can't I find her? Well, you found her in the elevator. Like you that. didn't really. Please tell me you didn't doom, really do that. Doom. So this really happened. Doom. You really yes, did. You really did. Grand bump Rapids. Into michigan two years ago oh no sorry because of covid 2019 2019 i yeah, was in early his 2019 like february i spent a little time in his presence about 15 years before he takes really good care of himself i can see why richard marx would make you think of rick yes, springfield they're on a similar similar, similar trajectory springfield's a little bit older um did you tell did you tell him that your name is jesse no, because he was very, very skeeved by me. He was. He thought I was like a. I think he thought I had followed him into the hotel, and had thrown myself at him. And oh, and w with all due respect, it probably looked like that. Yeah. Um. And that may have been the case. I may have not been staying at that hotel. We don't mm -hmm. know. We don't. So you were know. you were stalking. So no, no, so, I was staying at the hotel. <coughs> I was just fucking around. Uh, well, I, did, well, I trip. I'm a klutz. I trip all the time. I'm always hurt. I see. <coughs> I, you matter? fell off the stage one time at the, at the comedy no I think I'm oh, alright yeah. you you fell off the stage one time at the comedy store on a show that I was one of the few times that I've been on the main stage at the did you see store. that happen no I didn't I was backstage freaking oh, out my God. that was so fucking embarrassing you know the comedy store seats are so low and they're they're arched and I went to put my leg up on it to fuck with this guy and I and my leg just slid right down the side and I landed half in, half in his lap and I couldn't get back up because my other leg was still on the stage so this guy awesome. had to like push, like puss push me back up into the into the performance. Puss push, a little puss push. Wow. Yeah. yeah Courtney Love gets that every single time she stage dives. Who, Courtney Love? Yeah. There was a video circulating of her today that actually today Kid Rock's wife posted. Um, who is his? Who is his current lady? Because he was really hung up on the, the love triangle of of Kid Rock and Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson is the Ooh, that only was a thick one. It's the only sympathetic thing about about Kid Rock to me. I think he really did love her. I think he did too, and I, I honestly think Tommy really loved Pam. I think that that was a real situation. But I um, don't think. But I think Tommy is a guy who will hit every single person he's in a relationship with no. repeatedly. Like, what do you mean? It's like that's a fucking fact. This has happened multiple. He's it's not, in the he's, I know. I know him and his wife. He's not like that. Not anymore. I mean, yeah, they even put it in there. They they put they made their movie. Where they called it the dirt, but they were really crazily cleaning up what they had really done in the eighties. And I even that they, the movie was and even not in real... that, he still fucking hit a chick because you couldn't even get past the the fact that because it was so well known. He was there were police reports. This is this is he um... would he he would he was he was with the the warrant cherry pie chick. And like every time there was a major life event for one of his exes, the police were there because he beat up the cherry pie chick. Like Who's Heather Locklear, Cherry Pike chick. Her name is actually Bobby Brown. Not that obviously not the same Bobby Brown. The Warrant video. Okay. Ar this. Arguably the hottest. Uh, arguably the hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hottest video chick of We've the entire hair metal era. Right. 
he was with her and I forget what it was. It was like the day that Heather Locklear got married to Richie Sambora or the day that she announced her engagement. Just coincidentally, he was beaten up Bobby Brown. I think he's reformed. I know him. Well, he's, know, he's obviously his had his challenges amazing. with his. Okay. I don't, I don't, he's I don't know challenges that. Challenges in his life. And I'm not, I, look, I'm not one to condone any type of that shit, but I, this is a video I wanted to show you. Speaking yeah. of Kid Rock seemed like the good guy in that triangle is all I'm saying. All right. Oh, the Harvey Weinstein thing. So if you can't hear, this is yeah. a video that's right. That's me. That, this is actually yeah. Natasha Leggero doing red carpet for Comedy Central, which was way back in the day. I want to say like over 10 years ago. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And Natasha is talking to Courtney and she asks, is there any advice you give for a young girl in Hollywood? And Courtney Love says, if Car Harvey Weinstein invites you to a party at the Four Seasons, don't go. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, for me, even though Cor there's a lot of obvious controversy surrounding Courtney Love because of Kurt Cobain and just her, her, just how she is. I saw her at a party once. I was doing, I wrote an article for Playboy's magazine back in the day for... Uh, based on the movie they had coming up, a movie that was coming out, Friends with Benefits with Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. I did like a yep. little article and interviewed a couple of the actors. And so they invited me to the premiere party, which was at the Boom Boom Room in the Standard Hotel in New York City, which is used to be an awesome place. And Courtney, everybody was there. Like Richard Jenkins, who was one of my favorite actors, Patricia Clarkson was there. Justin and Mila were there. Um, I met Sean White that night. There's just a whole bunch of really cool, fun, interesting people. And um, here comes, here's Courtney Love. I went to the bar. Courtney Love is sat on the bar in like a mauve pink silk teeny dress. No underwear on. Sitting on the bar with her legs spread and just like grabbing bo bottles from behind the bar, doing shots, like just in the most Courtney Love way that she could. And from the rest, from the outside, this is a person who has had obvious trauma in her life yes. and is also a person who lives probably similarly to what we were talking about earlier with in reference to living from your essence or your image, who knows which is which with her. That could yeah. be who she is because she is that way all the time and it, and it seems to fit. But the point is here's this person who exudes this like, fuck you, unhinged completely chaotic life and she knew this information about harvey weinstein and it just makes you wonder like you know did hold it did like how involved was she in that whole era like did something happen to her did she like why would she just drop that right there you know what i mean like it seemed well i think it always made sense to me that everybody so why did this why was it such an open secret why were there so many people who were victims or close to victims who didn't say anything about it well because everybody knew that the the at least the first person that went public with it was probably going to ruin their own career in the process and the fact right, that she said i'm going to get libeled for this yeah and the fact that she was um primarily made her money and her fame came from music. I did, she didn't. She wasn't wholly dependent on her film holy career. Cool. Uh, I see. See what great I did there. Band. And great band. And secondarily, I think because she, like the okay, so her image is to live on the edge and do things other people wouldn't do in the in the public eye, and her essence is largely the same thing. I'm sure there's some separation between them. By the way, have you ever seen? There's a ludicrous ludicrous documentary everybody should treat themselves to called Kurt and Courtney. There's this oh. insane, incompetent British documentarian named Nick Broomfield who had a little run where he was making like conspiratorial documentaries. And he alleges that, um, that Courtney love um, like had, had, had Kurt killed basically. But the guy, it, it's almost like a spinal tap sort of thing where the guy is so incompetent and he makes himself look like such an idiot, but he really is talking to like, he's talking to Courtney loves high school boyfriend. He, he will, cause nobody real will talk to him. So he talks to these bullshit people who are like, 
give me a dollar and I'll tell you why I killed Kurt kind of shit, you know? And he just throws them up on screen like, well, no comment from Courtney on this guy. But I remember it's really, really, really funny. (laughs) Like the highlight, the the, the detail I always give people is there's a guy who was supposedly the guy that got hired to kill Kurt. And his name is, I think, Il Duce. And then and, and Nick Broomfield shows up at his house and is like, hey, I'm here for the interview. We said you said you would do it today. And the guy's just like, get me like a bottle of bourbon and I'll talk to you. So he's like, then I went to the stool and then I returned with the bourbon. Now Il Duce was ready to speak. Like, it's just so fucking hilarious. And All later, this in the, later, later in the movie, Il Duce gets killed. <laughs> he gets killed. <laughs> he gets hit by a train in his backyard. Like, really? I guess so. Why are you spoiler? Why did and the you guy, give me a the guy, because there's a lots of stuff in the, there's everything in the movie is ludicrous. And the guy plays it like, like, see, maybe Kurt, maybe Courtney needed to, she, she knew he was talking to me. So she had to take him out of the picture. Like this guy okay, just, so he, this guy, it was like a Sasquatch movie. What were real people? Yeah, yeah. But you, I That's think he really thought that what he didn't understand when, like, he would be interviewing people and you could see that they were laughing at him. And it was like he never put together that people right. were having, have, having, were laughing at him, not with him. It but that's like, why it reminds me of that movie that James Franco did. The, um, remember that movie? Like, a disaster artist? Disaster artist. It's, it right. gives, it's giving me disaster <laughs> artist vibes. It's a little, it's like a documentary. It, he's not cr- as crazy as, Tommy, whatever the heck his name is, but who, by the way, Tommy Wiseau, who I sat in traffic next to one time, he's got a whole big fucking truck covered with that the actor? stuff. Yeah, the guy, the guy. the guy who claimed he was an actor. Well, he made the he made the movie, you know. I mean, he did he it. The one movie though. His crazy, his crazy. I think he did try. He did something else after that. That was he did do nobody, something else. After nobody that. cared about it as Didn't much. Did he make a cameo um, in the James Franco film? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think what it was is they wanted him to play some role other than himself, but like he couldn't do it. He couldn't not act like that. So they ended up using it as like the closing at like post credits scene. I got to see. I've never seen it. I only know of it because it was. Well, you need to see the, yeah, no, the original room. If you enjoy the disaster artist, the the actual movie, the room is one of the most enjoyable viewing experiences for a movie. Because it's such a disaster. Yeah. No, it's just, it's, it's the most. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you should you for, should for sure get stoned. Do that, do that before you watch the curtain. Do that before you watch the curtain. Should we watch yeah. it for Patreon? Let's watch the, the disaster artist for Patreon. Yeah. I'd rather I'd rather watch the room, like the actual let's watch movie. The room. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Let's let's totally do it. Let's That's totally a good idea. I like this that we're so, figuring out what we're gonna do extra. Courtney. <laughs> Courtney Love, I saw her live in New York one time. I forget the exact details, but she did a two-night stand. I don't think it was whole. I think it was just Courtney Love, but she still just had some female backing band. And whatever happened, she did a show, and it was really controversial, and she was like all over New York that night in a 24-hour cycle there were all this, Courtney did this, Courtney did that, Courtney was fucked up. Courtney was in front of a, I don't know if you remember, there was a Wendy's on 14th Street in Union Square. And she was photographed in front of the Wendy's with her shirt down and a homeless guy sucking her nipple. No. Like it was crazy. And she got arrested and they put her in jail. And we, me and my buddy, uh, Brian Cullen had tickets to the second night. She was playing the next night and they got her out of jail just in time. And she had no voice whatsoever. She could not, she could not sing. And she basically got on stage and she's like, look guys, no matter what I do tonight, people are going to say that this was the worst show ever because that's the story. I'm a train wreck. And that then they just, the prophecy has to be fulfilled, but she's like, but I'm here and you're here. So let's just make the best of it. It was one of the best concerts I've ever been to in my entire life. Despite the fact that she could barely make a noise. Yeah. Yeah. I saw her. I saw her within 24 hours of that. It was, why is she fucking, doing this? I forget the details. <laughs> Who's that other guy in the Burberry scarf next to her? Who the fuck is it was that? like, can I get in that too? holy like he's like hey hey, and my kids like your music can i take a picture with you to prove that i met you at wendy's and she's like only if you let this homeless guy suck my tit while we do it dude it's crazy read up on that story but it really was one of the best shows i've ever she invited some girl up on stage and real i don't know where she's like let's trade shirts and this girl just randomly took off her shirt and courtney took uh, courtney took off hers it was it was one of the most rock and roll experience and it's very very rare post i don't know early 70s to really feel like you were in the middle of a moment right. that was really re- outside of like a punk show at an american legion hall it really really was it was one of them it was the most rock and roll show i've ever been to in my entire life and i'm not i don't dislike seems her music hmm? I, I was just say she seems very rock and roll yeah 
Right. I mean, it says Courtney Love shows up at a Wendy's high, barefoot, and brawless, flashing yeah. people and letting a stranger suck her titty. This was a headline. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. there is some, I don't know if value is the right word. I think there is some intrigue and I, I will say value. I think there's some value to having a person like her in society. No doubt. And no doubt. That sort of rock and roll. Like that that's authentic as fuck. And I'm not saying she's like, oh, she's such a badass. No one would have no one would really live like that. Like that's such a rarity to walk into a Wendy's bra brawless and barefoot. And and who knows like d- when it started to happen. Maybe it's a maybe it is her essence, or maybe somewhere along the line the sort of paparazzi of it all you know, the paparazzi beast of them finding pictures and then people buying them. And it's sort of this self-fulfilling prophecy after a while. Like who knows if maybe that sort of happened where she started to believe the image was her, but I don't think there's, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yeah. yeah, Like of all the people I think of, I can't think of anybody who's more um, aligned with their image. that has their essence aligned with their image, like Courtney love just from my personal experience with her alone and you know yeah and her music, i don't know her whole was dope. yeah i don't really know i don't really know um she again so I'm, hard that night. I'm drawing a lot of what i think about her from this insane documentary and specifically when they're talking to her old high school um boyfriend oh, and fuck. and and he has like letters from her where she's like i'm gonna grow up i'm gonna be famous i'm gonna hang out with michael stipe from rem so I don't think it was so much, I don't think it's so much a case of, you know, I I think of like, and I don't know a whole heck of a lot of Joan Jett, but Mark McGrath and I talk about Joan Jett. She comes up from time to time. Yeah. She just seems like somebody who it just, all Joan Jett needed to do was at one point stroll down Sunset Boulevard and the world was going to be like, right, you're in, get on stage, learn how to play a chord and we will make you famous. I think Courtney Love would have been, I truly believe this. And that based on no information, if she had been born conventionally beautiful and she could have gone the Hollywood superstar route, she would have. But I think that being famous was incredibly important to her. It yeah. meant everything to her. She looked at what she had and what she didn't have and divined a path to that, to that stardom. So that's an incredibly convoluted thing. Yeah. That you and I'm not saying that her circumstances didn't make her kind of a grungy girl anyway. I'm not saying she didn't actually like punk rock, but it's just a little uncanny how she just so happened to shack so up with, with Kurt Cobain yeah. and then just so happened to move on to Billy Corgan after that. Like come on, you know? I forgot about Billy Corgan. That's right. Yeah. That's odd. That's odd for all of them. Well, I think the world is a better place for having someone like her in it. Yeah, I, I think she's the greatest contributor to society, but I think she adds a, a peg in the spectrum of performance in rock and roll. That's one hundred percent vital agreed. to variety. We're running out of time here to tie up the loose threads. All I was saying about my high school girlfriends. All, all I was saying about my high school girlfriend's Italian American produce selling father was it's a shame that so, so many like successful tall black men so many <laughs> italian americans have made their money through or or solely because of mafia connections or mafia acts that that's a shadow that hangs over the people that didn't and i have absolutely no idea how my ex's father made his money and he may have been a legitimate businessman but that's that's what the, that's what your people the sicilians have done to the image of italians not just in america but the world over your Rick Springfield story. I must have told you this before, but this reminds me of the. So, what did you say know. to Rick? What? Did, yeah, I do. Yeah, what did you say to? Finally, should have started this years ago. What did you say <laughs> to Rick Springfield when you when you bumped into him? I I really wish I had said, you know, you wish you had Jesse's girl, and she's right here. But I didn't. It was more of just like a oh, oh no 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 no. It wasn't the Rick Springfield thing. It was when you t- went up to Lennox Lewis and said, uh, hey. What should I? I said, "Who how, are you? Who are you?" Yeah, the when I, I must have told you this. I fuck it. This is my favorite story ever. When I worked at the work writing a Carson Daly radio show, uh, stop me if I told you this. Um, Jerry Jerry O'Connell 
and Anthony he's Anderson. Funny. Yeah, he is. He's he's actually been very nice to me the, the times I've met him since then. But I think maybe life has humbled him a little bit. I think he was very high on his farts when he was younger. And you know what? He's a he was a teen star. High and they on were, his farts. Yeah, he was high on his own farts. Wow. Okay. He thought his farts smelled that. great. You know. I'm sorry to say that. So, um, so Jerry O'Connell and Anthony Anderson were in a movie called Kangaroo Jack, where they co-starred against mm-hmm. a CG, you know, beside a CGI kangaroo and. Yep. Everybody just sort of knew in the biz and we were in Rockefeller Center. If you saw a famous person, just act like it's not the first famous person you've seen before. Be cool. Be cool. And we had this fucking hilarious male guy around the office who was later fired because he borrowed money from the VP and never paid her back like 40 bucks. Like it just he was fucking bananas, this guy. And uh, and and I get on the elevator and I'm bringing O'Connell and Anthony Anderson way before Blackish, obviously, um, up to to the interview and at the last second the male guy gets on to it i'm like oh fuck i've got 14 floors what the fuck is he gonna say and he just stares at them and stares at them and stares at them and goes where do i know you from where do i know you from and it's like god everybody knows who they are yeah and jerry o'connell goes we're in a new movie kangaroo jack it's very funny Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I fucking. I would have been like this that. out of the elevator. <laughs> oh, you can gonna... still see me. I, still, I gotta get out of frame. <laughs> yeah, I believe these have an escape hatch up top. I'll just go up. There. Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll just weasel my way up through the ceiling. Well, this was Horrible. a lot of fun. But we also um, didn't do, and we we could save them. You want to do cliffhangers? Wait, didn't we do cliffhangers last time that we? Oh no, no, we did wrap those up. I have cliffhangers for next well, time. Yeah, cliffhangers. Will Smith story, uh, and Gene Wilder on the next Gene episode Wilder. of The Deuce. Uh, okay, bye. Oh, I thought we were done. Bye. I thought the no. I thought the I thought the no. cute noise fart was was a good out. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.